are so grateful that you are joining with us on our podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are a church here in Salt Lake City, and we invite you to connect online at lifechurchutah.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, it is uh, it's one of my favorite Sundays when we do water baptisms, because uh, as uh, Stephen said earlier, I mean, what a, what a fantastic celebration of lives that recognize that they need Jesus, right? Uh, just like all of us and are taking that step in obedience. Um, our next baptism, by the way, if you want to be baptized, will be in May. I don't know the exact date off, to, off the top of my head, but it will be May. Uh, give us time uh, right after Easter and all of that. But, uh, but if you are not water baptized, you need to be. And uh, so make sure that uh, you stay tuned uh, for that information uh, much later on in the uh, springtime. So grateful uh, for everybody who stepped uh, step forward in faith to do that. All right, so go ahead and pull this out as uh, you guys walked in. Go ahead and pull this out real quick. Um, As we're looking at the God who was, the God who is, and the God who will be, right, Uh, the God who is yet to come, this idea of, um, of God's faithfulness and his presence in our life, That's really what we're focusing on during this uh, week. So Monday through Friday, 7.30 p.m., if you go to uh, Facebook or YouTube, anywhere that Life Church is on those uh, those two platforms, uh, we'll be having some uh, some live prayer, and uh, you're welcome to submit prayer requests as we're praying, and uh, we'll be focusing on these different areas. Like day one, you can see there the theme is uh, God is gracious and compassionate, and as we go through each day of the week, we're going to get to Thursday where it turns a little bit introspective. God, am I referring? reflecting these attributes of who you are in my own life, and then all of this ultimately leading to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, and uh, we'll be celebrating together on Friday with a a great time of prayer. So make sure 7.30 p.m. uh, every night this week that you tune in, and again, Wednesday night, uh, you will be with the youth, and uh, so they'll be live streaming uh, their service, and so you'll have an opportunity to uh, pray with our youth if you're not here on Wednesday nights for our regular uh, classes. So make sure you take advantage of that. And somebody asked me, what do you do with the blank lines uh, that are here? This is for you. Uh, Write down your own prayer request. Write down as you read the Bible uh, verses that are in there. What's God speaking to you? Just use as an opportunity uh, to grow for yourself uh, in the Lord. All right, hey, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Yep, we're going back to the beginning again. Uh, We will do this pretty often. Don't forget, uh, if you have the Bible app, which we encourage everybody to get, uh, this is a way that we have notes provided for you. And I was just showing a couple of people this morning how that works. Very simple. And uh, so if you go to the Bible app, you can download it. And then uh, right there, go to the bottom right-hand corner, look for events. Uh, click on that little three dots, look for events, and you'll find Life Church there. Take notes. You've got all the scriptures set up and ready to go for you. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 uh, through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like I said, we are starting back at the beginning. We're going to go through the entire Bible today. It's great. Um, Genesis 1. All right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So right from the very beginning, the first moment, if we can call it that, the activity of God is recorded. And we see here in Genesis 1, we see this God who creates. How many of you know that God is a creative God, right? He doesn't ever have writer's block. He doesn't ever have a moment where he goes, I'm not sure what to do next, right? He knows he is a creative God. He is the God who shapes and forms. He is the God who speaks into chaos Has this year felt already in 2022 a bit chaotic for you? Anybody? All right. God speaks into the midst of chaos. 
When all around seems overwhelming and dark and deep, God is there. Specifically, the Spirit of God hovering over us as His people, protecting, preparing, shaping, and forming us. That's the work of the Spirit of God. And then the voice of God, let there be and there was, revealed here is something unique uh, for the Christian faith, something that is hard for us to fathom, and yet something that is so central to what we believe about who God is. Uh, here we see, uh, we, we understand this idea that there is only one God, right? There is only one God as revealed in the Word of God, and yet somehow God is revealed as three, And even here at the beginning of creation, we see God, we see God the Spirit, we see God the spoken word who represents Christ. We see that from uh, the book of John. This tri-unity or trinity active together in purpose and outcome, and we can't fully grasp it or understand it, but we see this picture of a God who is deeply concerned about the difficulties and the chaos and the, uh, the formlessness sometimes of our life, and God is right there at the very beginning. So in particular, what I want to do, though, is look at the role of the Spirit of God, not just in creation, but a quick view from uh, that point from creation moving forward to today through the, uh, kind of through the lens of Romans chapter 8. So the Spirit of God was active in creation, has never stopped that activity, and he is still revealed throughout the Word as the empowering uh, presence of God in his activity all through the Word of God. So when you go from the book of Genesis and you go all the way through the end of the book of Revelation, you will see continually the Spirit of God at work, sometimes very much behind the scenes, sometimes very much in front of the scenes, right at the very center of attention, Uh, but the Spirit of God is active uh, from the beginning of the Word to the very end of it. So if the Spirit of God is God's presence uh, for us in, in a lot of ways, His empowerment and His presence... In Exodus, something that we see here of the fact that it is God's presence, turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 68. And I said Exodus because this is talking about the Exodus that's recorded in the book of Exodus. But Isaiah chapter 63 reveals something about what's going on behind the scenes when this, um, this incredible moment takes place for the nation of Israel. So the presence of God and the prominence of the Spirit is revealed um, in, in a, as a picture of this tabernacle that the nation of Israel would put up, and that was the, the residence, if, if there could be a residence for God, this is where God dwelt, was in this tabernacle. And above the tabernacle, above this, the holy place within the tabernacle, was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, so that the Israelites would always know where God's presence was. And then whenever God's presence would, would move, the, the, uh, the pillar of fire would lift up from the tabernacle or the tent, or the pillar of cloud would lift up, and it would begin moving. That was the sign, uh, the Spirit of God's moving, time for us to move as well. And that's an important thing for us to realize whenever the Spirit of God moves, let's move to where the Spirit of God is. But in Isaiah chapter 63, there's a clarification that happens here about the presence of God at the book of Exodus. Uh, verse 8, beginning at verse 8, He, God, became their deliverer. Through all that they suffered, he suffered too. We don't have time to go into that right there, but that is a fantastic scripture verse right now for anybody. If you're walking through a season of suffering and difficulty in your life, what did did we just read? God suffers with you. God is a God who's right there, okay? So, so rest assured, God's with you. Sometimes feel like God's not. God is with you, even in the middle of suffering. Then it says, the messenger sent from his very presence 
delivered them. The messenger. Who is this messenger? In his love and mercy, he protected them. He lifted them up and carried them through ancient times. But they rebelled and offended his Holy Spirit. So there's this idea here that this messenger that was sent, this presence of God sent, was the Holy Spirit. And they ended up rejecting the presence of the Holy Spirit. Where is the one who placed the Holy Spirit among them? The one who made his majestic power available to Moses, who divided the water before them, who led them through the deep water. So the Spirit of the Lord granted them rest. In this way, you guided your people. There's this idea that the presence of God through the Holy Spirit is guiding the people of God. And this same Holy Spirit is who we have today, who guides us and directs us. It's not just an Old Testament phenomenon, not just a a one-time thing that happened way back then, but the presence of God through his Holy Spirit is available to us today to be shaped and formed, to take the chaos out of our lives, to help us navigate the difficulties. Um, But we know that when humans are involved, what happens? Things get pretty screwed up. How many of you recognize that, that when humans are involved, things get pretty messy? Okay, right? Okay, we're there. Um, There's a troubling tendency within us to fail. There's a troubling tendency within us uh, to think we've got this. We don't need any help. It's like a a toddler, um, right? When, When you're trying to tell them something and they refuse your help, and you're like, no, 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 I'm the adult, I know better, but the toddler still is basically saying, you know, pushing your hand away, nope, I want to grab that fire, you know, whatever it is, right? And uh, sometimes as adults, it's annoying when they act like toddlers. But anyway, that's enough of that, right? So there's this troubling tendency within us to not follow the commands of God. But the commands of God were given in the Old Testament, given through the New Testament. Uh, In the Old Testament, it took the shape of the law, And it was proving over and over again to be beyond the capability of men and women to actually fulfill the law that God had commanded. The hearts were growing harder and harder, further and further away from the Spirit of God. This is a picture of us without Christ. But here's a great thing, not all is lost. Not all is lost. Because even in the Old Testament, God was at work behind the scenes. And he was making his spirit available in some pretty dramatic ways. Ezekiel chapter 36, he's a a prophet in the Old Testament. If you have trouble finding uh, Ezekiel, um, go to your contents, the front of your Bible, right? Or just search Ezekiel and you'll find it there. Uh, But Ezekiel chapter 36, he says this, and this is a promise directly for the nation of Israel for that time, as well as uh, this is applicable to us today broadly as followers of Christ. He says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries, then I will bring you to your land. And that's a very specific promise for Israel. Then he goes on, I will sprinkle you with pure water and you will be clean from all your impurities. I will purify you from all your idols. And then this is an incredible promise that's given. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. Now, oftentimes, and we're going to get into Romans here in just a second, when we hear the word flesh, we think negative. 
as often in the New Testament, it is a, a negative connotation, like uh, the, the flesh, we do wrong things in the flesh, okay? Here, all that Ezekiel is talking about is that this is representing, instead of a heart that's unwilling to obey, this is a heart that is willing to, be, to obey, a heart that is willing to be molded in the middle of the chaos, right, where the ho- Spirit of God is hovering over that. Um, he says, I will put my spirit within you, Then he goes, I will take the initiative and you will obey my statutes and carefully observe my regulations. So there's this idea that God recognizes our inability and he says, I'm going to make it possible for you through something new and dramatic that's going to change your life and is going to empower you so that now you can obey and follow my covenants. This God of the Old Testament still working in the chaotic reality of hearts that are like the original creation, troubled waters, uh, lacking purpose and direction, the Spirit of God hovering over the brokenness, and the promise of something new being formed in creation. God sees us. Every one of us. I mean, I think about those who were baptized uh, today, right? Every one of them at some point formless and broken and far away from God, and yet God never once gave up on them. How many of you are glad God never gives up, right? Never gives up on us. So this promise breathed by Jesus, um, uh, there's a, a promise in John chapter 21. He's there with his disciples, and we're not going to turn there, but you can certainly look it up on your own. Uh, John 21, it says that he breathed on his disciples, kind of a strange uh, thing to do. Uh, did he have coffee breath, fish breath, whatever was going on there? Right, but he breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Right, in another place we find in, uh, in Acts chapter 2 where the Spirit of God is poured out upon the people who were gathered there uh, that were hungry for what God was going to do next. The Spirit of God was poured out upon all flesh, men and women, slaves and free, people in authority and the forgotten and the outcast. This promise is given to us that the Spirit of God, just like Ezekiel, just like all the way back in Genesis, that the Spirit of God is here wanting to be upon us and within us and through us. Providing what we cannot provide on our own, this empowerment to live for God. Because whenever we try to live for God in our own power, we will fail. If we try to be good on our own power, we will eventually fail. Sometimes we can keep it up for like 10 minutes. (laughs) Some of us who are really, really good, right? You can maybe go a day of being good, but eventually it catches up to us because of what is living inside of us, the sin nature. So this brings us to chapter 8 of Romans. Yeah, quite a journey to get us here um, because we needed to set a little bit of a foundation to understand what what Paul is talking about when it comes to the Spirit of God and everything that he's going to be unfolding for us uh, throughout the book of, or throughout the chapter of Romans chapter 8. Um, for Paul, though, this, it's worth this journey for us to understand who the Spirit of God is. And so leading up to Romans chapter 8 is Romans 1 through 7. Mind blown, right, in that moment. Um, so ending last week with this cry of a heart that is saying, God, I am a wretched person. Who is going to rescue me because there is no way that I can do this anymore? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, those are the things I end up doing. And so, God, please help me. How is this going to happen? And he says, we are rescued through Jesus Christ. 
And so Paul continues this thought uh, as he jumps into Romans chapter 8, the recognition of need, the acceptance of the inability to act in ways that please God on our own, the repeated failures. None of this is capable of keeping God away from you. So Paul starts this next section. And the first phrase might be for some of you here today. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You are forgiven. No condemnation. It's not going to be brought up again. How many of you have a brother or sister that brings up stuff from your past? Right? <laughs> Hopefully, right, as the people of God, we also live in a way of no condemnation for those who are part of the body of Christ. Don't bring up other people's failures. Can I say that again? Don't bring up other people's failures. There is no condemnation in Christ. You aren't to be defined by a failure. No condemnation. You are free in Jesus, right? No condemnation. God loves you. I mean, may even like you. <laughs> you know, it's different sometimes, right? I have to love you in order to get to heaven, but I don't have to like you. So, uh, you know, whatever. So there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the life-giving spirit of Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law could not do because it was weakened through the flesh. And this is where the flesh is a bad thing, okay? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and concerning sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirements of the law may be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so there is a change that Paul is talking about here. Not only are we rescued by Christ, but something happens within us, an enabling that happens that totally changes us from the inside out. Because what the Bible reveals is that Jesus dealt with sin in the flesh. In other words, he lived a sinless life. He didn't screw up once. He didn't make a mistake once. Does it mean that he didn't jam his finger? <laughs> no, he probably jammed it. He was, you know, his dad was perhaps a carpenter, so he probably smashed his you know, thumb on the hammer, but he didn't say a bad word. <laughs> right? He lived a sinless life. And because he lived a sinless, obedient, perfect life when he died on the cross for our sins... Sin in the flesh was dealt with. And there's a new way provided for us. Um, so how do we do this? How, how do we actually live this new way? And this is where Paul gets in. Um, that he provides a new way to wholeness and healing through the spirit of Jesus. Because uh, unlike the, the spirit of the law, right, this, this, that leads to death, it leads to condemnation. These are all the things that Paul is beginning to share with us that life in the Spirit is very different than the life that we experienced before the Spirit was within us. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit sets free. 
The Spirit through Jesus condemns the sin, doesn't condemn you. There's a very, very big difference, right? I mean, remember Jesus, uh, there was a woman caught in adultery in uh, John chapter 8, I believe. Woman caught in adultery. It says then the very act of adultery, so a pretty crazy, you know, kind of moment right there, and is brought before, uh, before Jesus. They're wanting to stone her, wanting to kill her because that was the law said you could do that. Uh, Jesus challenges people, whoever is without sin, let them throw the first stone. Everybody begins leaving, and then all that's left is Jesus and this woman. And uh, Jesus says, where'd they all go? She goes, I'm not sure, master. (laughs) And uh, basically, Jesus then says, "Um, I'm not going to condemn you, but go and sin no more. Again, there's this idea of a responsibility that we have, just like we talked about last week. So the Spirit empowers each of us to walk in the righteousness of Jesus. I'm going to say something crazy, something that, that I hope you believe, but I understand if you don't. You ready for this? We can walk as Jesus did. Boom. (laughs) Right? We can walk as Jesus did, but only through the Spirit of Jesus. That's it. Um, So Paul is beginning to contrast uh, these two different kinds of life, a life controlled by the Spirit and a life controlled by the flesh. And remember back in, uh, in uh, Romans uh, 7, things I want to do, I don't do. The stuff that I don't want to do, I end up doing. This is that picture that he's talking about, the difference between these two. And these two lives have two very different outcomes. And he starts by giving a big picture that we are set free. And then he goes in uh, to the day-to-day reality of what this actually means. So uh, Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 5 through 8 says, For those who live according to their flesh have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. Uh, Some of your versions that you have will say your mindset. And we're going to talk about mindset in just a moment. So let me read that again. For those of you who live according to the flesh, have your mindset or your outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their outlook or mindset shaped by the things of the Spirit. So what's leading you? Are you being led by the flesh or are you being led by the Spirit? For the outlook of the flesh is death, but the outlook of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the outlook of the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to the law of God, nor is it able to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Paul is shaping this revelation using language, I think, that we can grasp this, this idea of the outlook of our, of our minds or our, our mindset. Um, do we have any athletes uh, among us? Raise your hand real quick. We're starting a, a softball team. No, not really. Um, so athlete, raise your hand real quick. Any athletes? Don't be afraid. I mean, you can be an athlete. All right. Oh, good. We have enough people to form like a five-person basketball team. That is it. All right. No other athlete? Okay. So, right. So, but we understand uh, that there is a difference between the pickup game of soccer that you play on uh, the asphalt concrete in front of your house, right, versus those who are the professional uh, soccer players or football players or baseball players or cricket players or pickle players or whatever, right? Okay, so you've, you have table t- I was watching table tennis the other day on YouTube, got sidetracked, and yeah, whatever. Okay, professional, I am not, right? But there is a difference in the mindset of someone who is a professional or an elite athlete that's very different than my mindset 
when I set out to do something athletic. Um, was reading on uh, peaksports.com. Have no idea, right? But I was looking through some stuff. And it says, the biggest contributor to elite performances is mindset after all the training and talent is baked in. In other words, you could have all the talent in the world, all of the ability on your own to do incredible things as an athlete, but unless you have the right mindset, you will never go very far. Because what does the mindset of an athlete do? Um, and uh, any, any golfers? And you didn't raise your hand earlier when you said you were athletic. Okay, golfers. I am not a golfer, okay? I am terrible at golfing. I just get frustrated and angry and lose my faith in Jesus when I play golf. So um, <laughs> just being honest right there, okay? But right, so I mean, the, the, the mindset of a golfer, I mean, it is, it is all repeat and all this stuff and, and do, but the mindset says whether or not you're going to hit the ball the next time because otherwise you're going to give up. Right Today, I think there's some uh, football games that are happening, and when the Rams play, I didn't say win, but when I said when the Rams play, there is a mindset that every one of them have walking onto the field. The mindset is we're champions. Who are they playing against? Oh, yeah, Brady. Okay, so not the bucket. They're playing against Brady, okay? What is Tom Brady's mindset? Nothing is <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> he said money for those who didn't hear him. Uh, Tom Brady's mindset is nothing is going to stand in my way from one more Super Bowl. So there is a mindset of champions that's very, very different than if I were to walk out on that field, I'm going to die. <laughs> that would, right? Okay, so there's a mindset that begins to happen within us. Elite athletes push themselves during each practice, pay attention to the little things on a consistent basis, continually focus on positive work habits. Uh, all these factors help elite athletes consistently perform at the highest level, and it starts with a mindset that I'm not going to fail, okay? For what we're talking about today, let me just say one thing very quickly. This is not a mind over matter. If you just have enough belief in yourself, everything's going to be great. That's not at all what I'm saying here. But what I am saying is, is that there is clearly a mindset when it comes to the way that we live our life for Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there are some days when I wake up in the morning already defeated. You ever done that before? You wake up in the morning and you go, this is going to be a bad day. What happens? It's a bad day, right? I mean, because you have already made up your mind. I think this gets closer to what Paul is talking about when it comes to the mindset of the flesh versus the mindset of the spirit. Now remember, we are incapable of having the mindset of the spirit on our own. That's why when we wake up in the morning, we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and we think to ourselves, God, today's a bad day. Lord, I, I don't think I can make this day. God, I'm, I'm planning even now to make bad decisions for my faith. And this happens, right? I'm planning even now, as much as I say I'm not going to sin, I know later on today that that bottle is going to be too strong for me. We set ourselves up. I know today, I know I'm not supposed to kind of talk that way and be that flirtatious at work today, but, you know, I'm feeling kind of down today and I need that uh, reassurance. And so, God, I know later on today when she walks in the room, I, you know, 
in that moment, what I pray is that the Spirit of God interrupts that mindset and a new mindset arrives. And that's a mindset that says, Jesus, I cannot do this on my own. And Jesus, I need the mindset of the Spirit in my life in a very different way right now. So that when the temptation comes, I don't have to fall. You realize that when temptation comes, you don't have to fall. You don't have to have the mindset that says, I can't do this. You can have the mindset that says, God, with your strength and power, I can do this. Which mindset do you have? There is a life which is dominated by the sinful nature, whose focus and center is self, whose only law is its own desires, which takes what it likes, where it likes, when it likes it. In different people, that life will be differently described. It may be passion-controlled, or lust-controlled, or pride-controlled, or ambition-controlled. It's characteristic. It is its absorption in the things that human nature with, without Christ sets its heart upon. So what's driving you? What kind of mindset is driving that individual? It's the mindset of the flesh. I want what I want, and I want it now. Mindset of the, Christ, of, of the Spirit of God, dominated by Him, is us so that basically every breath we take, every move we make, and I'm not going to sing the song right now for you, right? <laughs> right? But every, right? I mean, but seriously, whenever that song comes on and you're like, yes, I love the 80s, right? When you have that moment, every breath we take, every move we make, all of this is not about us. But it's about Jesus living through us and the empowerment of the Spirit of God. How does the Spirit live within us? Christ controlled within us, Spirit controlled within us. Chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, this person does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Basically, you're, you're reckoned as dead. Your, your body, I mean, that no longer controls you, the flesh. But the Spirit is your life because of righteousness. Moreover, if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will also make your mortal bodies alive through a spirit who lives in you. So how do you know whether you are filled with the spirit or not? When you have accepted Christ, the spirit of Christ dwells within you. Now, this is different than what we, what we call the baptism of the Spirit, Acts chapter 2, speaking in tongues and all that, right? So, so there's a subsequent work that happens. But the Spirit of Christ lives in you the moment you say, Jesus, I'm identifying with you. I am, uh, my heart is in allegiance to you, God. I am living for you. I confess my sins. At that moment, somehow, supernaturally, we are transformed. The Spirit of God lives within us. So the Spirit of God lives within us at that moment. When can we start having the mindset of the Spirit? At that moment. Folks, there is a change that happens like that within us. Do we act perfectly? No. Are we still making wrong decisions? Yes. 
but we have available to us the spirit of Christ within us, living within us, wanting to live righteous life, wanting us to live free, wanting us to live away from that bondage, wanting us to have right relationship with our fellow man and woman around us. God wants us to live with the power of the spirit of Christ. Why don't we do it? Right? I mean, that becomes a question. Why don't we take advantage of the Spirit of God within us and say, God, we can be empowered by you. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. This promise that Paul gives at the end um, is one that I think we take too lightly. The fact that we can now experience life in Jesus in a brand new way. Right, for those who have accepted Christ, there is a new life. The, the old life is gone. The new person is here. This is a changed life. We can experience life now, the spirit of Christ's life now. But I love at the end of it, he says, you will also experience a new kind of life far beyond this present physical life, right? There is something waiting for us because the spirit of God has been given to us. He empowers us. I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads for just a moment. You are here this morning and you recognize within your own life that the mindset of the flesh has really kind of taken over the mindset of the spirit in your life. And you have allowed that mindset of the flesh to determine the choices of your everyday. You've allowed the mindset of the flesh to be what defines who you are and how you respond in this world that is chaotic. You would say today, Pastor, I know I need to recognize that the mindset of the Spirit of Christ is available to me. I've just never, uh, never understood that before. And I am ready to begin this journey of the mindset of Christ to be within me. You say, I just need a new baptism of strength, of endurance, a new baptism of his fire, as, as Stephen said earlier, right? We need that strength of the Spirit of God in our lives. If that is you, and you say, I'm done with the mindset of flesh, and I want the mindset of Spirit in my life, can you lift your hand really quickly? Thank you, thank you, thank you, man. Lots of us, right? We are in this position together. Keep those hands raised, right? It's a sneaky way to get our hands raised in church, okay? Keep those hands up. Right, Father, you see every one of these hands that are raised. God, we stand in a position where we recognize our own failure. That God, we cannot in any way, shape, or form live a righteous life on our own. We fail, we screw up, we make decisions that we are ashamed of, we, we do things that cause fear, we do things that just result in anger for ourselves and for those closest to us. But Jesus, we stand in desperate need of your spirit to be within us. And Jesus, I thank you through the words of Paul that the spirit of Christ is already in us as we follow after you. But God, we refuse to see that mindset within us. And so God, awaken your spirit within us. Awaken within us, God, that hunger and that drive for you. God, take from us a heart of stone that's incapable of, uh, of following you. God, give us a heart of flesh that is willing to respond to your spirit. Lord, we receive again the strength and endurance of your spirit within us. Lord, make us new. Make us whole. 
And God, in the middle of the chaotic moments of our life, in the middle, Lord, when things are just not making sense, Lord, help us to recognize that the Spirit of Christ is over us, hovering over us, protecting us, driving us closer to the Father. Lord, we love you and we praise you this day, God. Thank you for your grace in our life. And Father, I thank you that uh, the infilling of your spirits and Lord, this recognition that there is something new within us, Lord, it's not reserved for us so that we can have a nice feeling or a nice moment in church. But God, the spirit of Christ dwells within us and empowers us to lead us to people that don't know you. And so, God, I pray that our eyes would be open in a way that we have never been open before because, God, we have confessed our need of your spirit. Lord, that we would see this world around us in a new way, that, Spirit, you would move through us to partner with you in bringing life to our community. Lord, I thank you for these, your people. I thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to present ourselves to you. Lord, you're an awesome God. Lord, we love serving you. And the Lord, thank you for the radical generosity you've given to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And God's a good God, right? Um, so one of the things that we are uh, beginning to do is we really want to be able to pray with you after the service. And so if there's anything going on in your life and you're willing to have a little bit of patience uh, as we pray for people, we would love to pray with you, our staff and, and uh, some of our prayer team that's here. We'd love to pray with you, lay hands on you and ask God's blessing on your life. And uh, so if you need prayer for anything, feel free to come on up. Maybe it's something directly dealing with what we uh, talked about today. And uh, other than that, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Ladies, don't forget all the information out there about your special night coming up on February 4th. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much. And don't forget 7.30 p.m. this week.